Today's scripture is from Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12, from the New International Version. Introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them the Beatitudes. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Tricia, thank you so much for reading our scripture lesson this morning from the Gospel of Matthew. It was Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. Today, we are traveling virtually to a different mountain than Jesus was at when he preached that day. We're heading west. We're going to the Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado. The park's eastern entrance is, is located in the town of Estes Park. Adjacent to the national park itself is a special retreat center. It's called the YMCA of the Rockies. I had the opportunity to travel there a few years ago. I went for something that was called Weird Church Camp. This was a continuing education event for pastors who were serving congregations looking to embark on the journey of exploring weird ways to be the church. Here at Central, our congregation's effort to tear down our building, to reimagine what God could do with our property, to include not only space for worship in preschool and serving those experiencing homelessness, but also to create homes and create more than 144 affordable housing units. <laughs> that made our congregation fit right in with all of those other weird churches. There was a lot of interesting ministry ideas that were shared that week, but none of us could have expected that in 2020, every single congregation in our nation, and really around the world, would have the opportunity to completely rethink ministry, to wonder what it means to be the church if we can't gather together like we have for generations. We have said many, many times, the building is not the church, the people are the church. And when we have looked to our time of construction when we don't have a building, we knew that we would still be the church because we would gather together somehow. But since March, we have not physically been able to gather and worship. Instead, we have gathered virtually. And this is a new and weird way of doing church for so many of us. 
are we still the church when we gather virtually? Absolutely. But as many times as I have said that in the past, this is the first time that I have felt what it is like to live into that truth. It's a question that even today on a call with our bishop here in the Virginia Annual Conference, pastors from across Arlington and Alexandria were asking her questions, including, if we are truly the church when we worship virtually, why can't we do virtual communion? It's a theological question about what it is to have God who comes incarnate in the body to be present with us. And then when we move church online, to think about what it means to have communion virtually. We have bishops who are of different minds on this theological question, and here in Virginia, we are not yet offering communion virtually. But we do know that we have a sense of grief and loss from that. When we did our survey back in June about what people most value in worship, one of the top three answers was communion. So our Healthy Church team is going to be meeting in August to talk about some of the ways that other churches have been able to safely have opportunities to gather for some type of worship, most of them outside, some of them in cars, some of them scattered across fields, and to find a safe way to have communion. If you get our monthly newsletter, there'll be details in our September newsletter about any plans that we make as a team when we meet in August. But I want you to know that wherever we are, God is with us. And when we need to get a change of perspective, sometimes we need to physically change where we are and what we're doing. But sometimes we can do that if we go into our mind's eye. And so now I'm going to invite you to do that, to join me on a virtual journey in our mind's eye. So you're welcome to close your eyes if you feel comfortable doing that and to picture a mountain. It might be a mountain where you've traveled before, maybe one close to home, like in the Shenandoah Mountains, or maybe it's actually the Rocky Mountain National Park, or maybe it's one that you've never seen in person, but you've only seen on television or in photos. Whatever mountain you're imagining, know that Jesus is there, and he is there proclaiming his good news his word of blessing, and we can journey up that mountain with him. I invite you to look around in your imagination to see what you notice. Are you above the tree line? Can you see clearly for miles and miles? Are you looking down at the clouds? Or are you somewhere halfway up the mountain? Are you still in the midst of lots of foliage and trees and animals? Are you aware of the majesty of the creation all around you? Of the incredible magnitude of this mountain? Can you see it in your mind's eye? How incredibly majestic this place is. No wonder why scripture so often tells us that people encountered the divine on the mountaintop. Now you're welcome 
to stay in this place in your imagination as I continue to preach, or you're welcome to open your eyes with me. As we think about encountering the divine on the mountaintop, Jesus was there proclaiming good news, but good news to the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Have you been feeling poor in spirit these last few weeks and months? Are you recognizing how much you need God's presence in your life? Well, congratulations, Jesus says that you're blessed. But when I'm feeling poor in spirit, when I am aware of how broken my heart and my soul feel, when I am desperate for the comfort of God's presence, those moments don't make me feel blessed. And yet, Jesus proclaims that we are. This past Sunday, our new book group met to discuss the book that we read this month. It's a book by Anne Lamont entitled Traveling Mercies. In this book, she has a series of essays about her faith and life. She writes with a very raw honesty. She doesn't hold back about the many missteps in her life, including alcohol addiction and drug use. For many years, Anne's life was a complete mess. She raised her son as a single mother, and she relied heavily upon the love and support that she found in her church family and in her network of friends and neighbors. In our conversation yesterday about the book, someone mentioned with admiration how many people Anne has in her life who are her very good friends, people that she can truly rely upon to help, and people that she also helps in her own way. She's more than willing to return the favor in any way that she's able. Not everyone has such a strong network of support. I think in some ways, it's because Anne is so aware of her brokenness and her need for support that she is open to receiving help from others. I think Anne Lamont embodies what Jesus meant in our first beatitude. God blesses those who depend only on God. They belong to the kingdom of heaven. The people who surround Anne and helped her to raise her son provide little glimpses of the kingdom of heaven. And because Anne knows how much she needs God, she relied upon God to surround her with the community that she needed. Being self-sufficient can be an impediment to receiving the grace that God wants to give to us. Sometimes when life is going well, our family is healthy, our job is fulfilling, the world is relatively stable, it's easy to forget our utter dependence upon God. But when everything falls apart, when worry about our health and the health of loved ones stress about financial situations, the economy of our nation and the world, and the awareness of injustices that continue to oppress people because of race or sexual orientation. When everything is falling apart like a moment of utter catastrophe, we have an opportunity 
to recognize our reliance upon God's grace. And in that moment, Jesus says we are blessed. God's grace is enough. If you've been feeling weighed down by stress, anxiety, worry, or fear, I encourage you to listen carefully as Jesus proclaims from that mountaintop, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus offers us a new perspective on what it means to be blessed. Jesus proclaims that we are blessed when we least expect it. There are so many times in scripture that the divine is encountered upon the mountain. Abraham on Mount Moriah, Moses hearing the name of God and handed the law on a mountaintop. Jesus preached, was transfigured, died, and ascended into heaven, all on a mountaintop. When Martin Luther King Jr. gave what was to be his final sermon, I've been to the mountaintop, he said, God allowed me to go to the mountain, and I've looked over. I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. End quote. On the mountaintop, he was given insight and a different perspective on life. But even with that, he didn't stay on the mountain. He found himself fighting on behalf of sanitation workers in Memphis, Tennessee, as part of the Poor People's Campaign. Jesus may go up to the mountaintop, but he doesn't stay there. Jesus always comes down. In his Sermon on the Mount, his emphasis on who is blessed draws our attention away from the mountaintops of life and towards the valleys. He doesn't name people that we think of as being at the pinnacle of success as the ones who are blessed. Instead, the ones who are blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted. These are the ones called blessed by Jesus and they are the ones who inherit the kingdom of God. Many people were expecting the kingdom of God to be ushered in by a great military leader, but Jesus reveals the humble and simple nature of the kingdom, and it is for those who have utter dependence upon God. The temptation for some of us is that we might get so mesmerized by the mountain and we might be so drawn to the divine encounter that we find there that we forget about those who are down in the valley. We may want to linger at the top of the mountain and yet real life happens in the valley. Jesus doesn't take us to the mountain just to sit there, to bask in his presence He takes us to get a different perspective on the world, to see life as he sees it, knowing full well that he will then call us down into the valley 
to work alongside those who are struggling in this life. Jesus always comes down the mountain to heal and to stop the storms. Jesus' sermon today reveals that it is the lowly, the meek, the weak, the ones who may not have been able to ascend the mountain. They are the ones who express the kingdom of God most fully here on earth. His teaching on that mountain blesses the earth and calls us to be in touch with those who are poor in spirit. Those who are peacemakers, those who are persecuted. Or, to use the words of Howard Thurman, those who stand with their backs against the wall. If your back is against the wall right now, you're in good company. But if we are the ones putting others up against a wall, we are pitting ourselves against Jesus. We might be what George Whitfield and John Wesley called an almost Christian. Wesley said, The church is full of almost Christians who have not gone all the way with Christ. I think that means not just encountering God at the mountaintop, but going all the way with Christ down the mountain, where you'll find him in the trenches of trouble. So this week, let's follow Jesus up to the mountain to hear him proclaim the good news for this world and to name all those who are blessed. And then let us follow Christ all the way back down the mountain so that we can be part of the kingdom of God and stand with those whom Jesus blesses. Let us stand with those who mourn. Let us be peacemakers. Let us be part of the kingdom of God today.